and welcome to We Are History, the laughable little attempt at a history The, the what attempt, John? The laughable attempt. The laughable. Attempt at a history podcast <laughs> with me and Dame Angela Barnes. Hello, hello. Angela. Oh, you're, you're Lord John O'Farrell, aren't you? Lord so... O'Farrell of Clapham, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of Sealand, surely. <laughs> That's right, yes, I... For those people who haven't heard the Sealand episode, go back and listen to it. And I'm a genuine lord of Sealand because Angela paid the 40 quid or wherever it is. Maybe it wasn't that much. I don't know. But she paid to have me made a member of the nobility of an old platform in the North Sea. Indeed. It was in lieu of your disappearing Christmas present. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's true. Oh, well, look. Angela, you can't see me, I understand, on this Zoom call. I can't. I feel like such a great... I have. I don't even know how I've done this, John, but on my... So usually, for the listeners, we record this on GarageBand. Yeah. And um, we we have Zoom open as well, so we can chat on Zoom. But I, I've i opened Zoom and I've lost it. You can't see I mean, me, it's just, my it's smiling gone. face. So I can't see your lovely smiling face. All those face. impressive books I've lined up behind me of no worth whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely pointless. <laughs> impressive looking history tomes. <laughs> but the thing is, you can see me and I can't see you. And I have to remember that while we record this. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. Pick, I'm just going to not pick, pick your nose, nose like that. or something. <laughs> Do not, don't wipe it there. <laughs> this might be another one you parents can use for your homeschooling yes, for the indeed. national curriculum. We're, we're, making, we're making an effort here. We're trying to do things that, you know, make things a little bit easier for, for kids uh, kids and their parents at home during this difficult time. Uh, mm, Angela, ugh. we are doing the interregnum. We are. We are. So if you don't know what the interregnum is, it's the bit in between um, Charles I getting his head chopped off and the restoration of... of the monarchy with Charles II. So when um, Britain and it's, was it's, a republic, it's probably a sexier title. A republic. We we had a little play for about eleven years in the middle yeah. of the seventeenth century. We had a little go at being a republic. Um, yeah. Now I'm I've never really learnt much about this period at school yeah. or anything. It's sort of the English civil wars happened, and we'll come on to English civil wars in a, in a minute. Yeah, oh God, we're going to um, have a bloody four hour introduction from Angela about this. <laughs> And then we, you know, the restoration happened. And all yeah. I really knew was there was a bit in between where Christmas was banned. And, and that was yeah. it. So um, See, I thought we'd have a little look at it and, yeah. and what actually happened. And, and you know. It's a big um, deal, isn't it? It's a big deal to do away with the monarchy for 10, 11 years. I mean, yeah. the French make a massive deal about chopping the heads off their kids. Well, they never stop banging on about their We were doing that 150 years before them. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. mate. We so I thought it. we'd have a little look at it. All right, John, calm down. We, we invented right. it. They go and make do it better than we do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there's lots of there's lots of different sort of perspectives as to how much of a role the Republic really played in the sort of constitutional monarchy that we have today. Mm. Because there's lots of different interpretations, and, and later on came lots of different sort of revisionist interpretations. You've got a Marxist interpretation of what happened. You've got a, a sort of more traditional Whiggish. Sort right. of interpretation of what happened. So um, I thought, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about what happened, and then we'll sort of see at the end. Because Oliver Cromwell again is a name, you know. I think all I really remember learning at school was he was a roundhead and yeah. uh, won the English Civil War. That's what we learned um, without really knowing what any of that meant. And obviously, John, your heritage being 
slightly Irish. Slightly Irish. <laughs> I am Irish. John, you grew up in Maidenhead. In the so Irish quarter of Maidenhead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh um, the wearing of the green. Oh, the wearing of the green. I'm as a Irish. Lovely little dance, John. I wish I could see it. I'm an Irish as cricket <laughs> itself. <laughs> so, so with that in mind, John probably has a slightly, well, not necessarily a different view of Oliver Cromwell to me, but he, he probably had, um, you know, through your family history, a different sort yes. of He's a narrative. baddie. He's a baddie, as, as, as straight He's down the line and, baddie as far as the Irish are concerned. Whereas in England, yeah. you know, there he is outside of the House of Parliament. He's got pride of place, great big statue of Oliver Cromwell. Mm. Ian Paisley, the Reverend Ian Paisley, would always doff his cap to Cromwell as he went past. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you're feeling like toppling any more statues, Oliver Cromwell, <laughs> outside Parliament, feel free. Say that We Are History Pod gave you permission. Say, say and, John O'Farrell uh, sent you. John O'Farrell said it's okay. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's um, a psychopath, uh, Britain's own Ayatollah Khomeini, really. A religious <laughs> zealot who murdered in the name of his faith and uh, massacred millions in Drogheda and Wexford. Um, we'll, but we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. I must admit, I, I, when I, I had a flick through um, one of your history books, John. Your um, best source, is it the utterly impartial source. history of Britain. Britain. Yes. And um, I thought I'll have a look at what you've written in this chapter on uh, Oliver Cromwell. And yeah, you do refer to him as England's Ayatollah Khomeini, which you know <laughs> he was. <laughs> you weren't ambivalent. Let's put it that way. Um, about your feelings towards Mr. Cromwell. Um, yeah. Well, let's 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 start at the beginning. Oh, uh, here we go. But we won't go back that far. We'll go back. We've got Charles the First on Great. the throne. So we're in the 1600s, early, yeah. well, sort of 1625. I think he came to the throne, and um, he wasn't massively liked. He wasn't the stablest of monarchs. Yeah. He was five foot something with a stammer. The shortest ever English monarch. Is that true? And even shorter when they chopped his head off. <laughs> What's really important, I think, to remember when we're talking about this time is that yeah. you can't separate God from the state right. in the way that we might now. You know, so yeah. the government was religion. It was part of. Um, yeah, the, the reason the king was there, divine the right of, of kings. kings. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So do we, do we the, need to the, explain what divine rights kings is to our listeners uh, in certain parts of the country? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to? Oh, well, it's the, the idea that God is, there's a direct line from God to the monarch who is put mm. there by the, the Almighty to rule on his behalf. And, yeah. you know, if you are the monarch, it's quite an attractive uh, thing to put about, saying, well, I yeah. am God's representative on earth. And, and what uh, are you going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't yeah. argue with me because God sent me and instructed me to rule over you. So, exactly. So that's what they believed um, in. Yeah. So we are a sort of a century earlier. We've had Henry VIII split with Rome, yep. which essentially started the English Reformation, making England a Protestant country. Eventually. Um, yeah. So you've got Protestants in England. You've got Presbyterians in Scotland. Now, the the English Reformation, there was a lot of people who felt the English Reformation didn't go quite far enough. No. And that the Anglican Church was still a bit too Catholicy. Yeah. For their liking, it was still yes. a bit too much pomp and regalia, yeah. and um, they got rid of the little uh, Virgin Marys with the little hearts that lit up in the in the <laughs> inside, <laughs> like you get at Knock Airport. Like, but but uh, yeah, but it's still. I mean, you know, lots of uh, churchmen today would say the Anglican Church is a Catholic church. Yeah, um, particularly like High Anglican is very yeah, yeah. 
Whereas, you know, at, at this point, we've got the Puritans coming along, haven't we? So that the, the yeah. start to get much so, more anti-Catholic. Absolutely. So the Puritans were sort of extreme Protestant faction. And at the time, they didn't call refer to themselves as Puritans at the time. It was actually a pejorative term. Yep. Um, and the word Puritan was sort of a synonym for the word stickler. Okay. You know, like somebody really... And um, they, re- they referred to themselves, John as godly or saints okay. or God's children. Blimey. So, you know, yeah, big, they, they had uh, lofty they, ideals. They were bigging <laughs> themselves up a bit, weren't they? Just a tad. Just yeah. a tad. It's like making yourself a lord of Sealand or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, the problem was we have Charles I on the throne and he, while ostensibly Anglican, he's married to a French Catholic wife, Henrietta okay. Maria of France. And so he's sympathetic to the Catholics. Yeah. Now, like I say, he wasn't the stablest of monarchs and there were constant arguments with his parliament, uh, which actually led him to lock out members of parliament for 11 years. From 1629 to 1640, uh, they call it the 11 years tyranny. Charles I basically did what he darn well pleased. Right, that's Um, that's interesting. Now, a little aside here, um, at about this time, I think, was the last time that the French monarch had his parliament. I think that was about 1615 or something. And they didn't call parliament again until 1789. And so they really let those frustrations boil up. We had them boiling up for 11 years and we had yeah. a little civil war. The French left it for 150 years and look what happened over there. So maybe that's why. Yeah, but it's, yeah maybe that's why our revolution was a bit... A bit, bit half-hearted and a bit English, yeah. if you're honest. yeah. <laughs> It was Absolutely. like, we tried it, we tried it, we didn't like we had it very go, much. but it was all yeah. just a bit We'd too seen much. the brochures and republicanism <laughs> wasn't for us. <laughs> well, I'd rather a cup of tea. And, you, you know, the thing about the Brits, well, not the Brits, the English, let's face yeah. it. The thing about the English is let's not rock the boat, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. We Don't are make a fuss, small dear. C conservative. Don't make a fuss. Make let's a fuss. just Don't keep work. things as they are and I'm sure it'll all be fine. Anyway, Charles I has done quite a lot of things to piss people off um, yes, during this yes, time. Indeed. Um, forced loans, um, yes. ship money, which is a non-parliamentary tax that he could just levy as he felt like it to yes. raise money for warships and so on, um, which is very much seen as illegal by, by parliamentarians. Yes. Um, and in 1637, Charles tries to impose a new prayer book on the Scots. Now, the Scots are Presbyterian. Right. When I was growing up, in a completely atheist family. Yes. So I was never christened or anything. No. I knew because of the news and the troubles in Northern Ireland, there were Protestants and Catholics. Yes. But then, you know, the sort of subdivisions know, among particularly the Protestants starts getting really confusing. It's worse than the, it's worse than the Labour Party, I tell you. It, <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah, the sects just keep on dividing and dividing. <laughs> and th- th- those divisions, actually, you mentioned Northern Ireland, they sort of were... Sort of come from this period, really. They come from mm. uh, Cromwell's campaigns and well, the plantations yeah. were before. Well, before that, before, yeah. Elizabeth the first yeah. time they the yeah. um, Ulster Scots were sort of sent over to create, yeah, basically to displace Catholics from their land. But that really got going uh, in, during this period. But I must, I must let yeah. you continue. Atheist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So the Scots aren't too happy about this, and they start to rebel against it, and they invaded and took Newcastle and Durham um, okay. because they didn't want this new prayer book. Uh, inflicted on them, which had a more high church service, a more Anglican church service in it. So they said, "Let's take the posh universities." So let's take the <laughs> let's take the Oxbridge rejects, and um, so he's made this unilateral decision to go to war, but he's got no money. So yeah. after this eleven years of no Parliament, he decides to recall Parliament because he needs some money. 
yeah. for this war. Yeah, big mistake, big um, mistake. Big mistake, because at the same time, there's a Catholic uprising in Ireland. Right. And Parliament, they knew they needed to raise an army to deal with the uprising in Ireland. Yes. And they were a bit worried that Charles could then use that army against them. Yes. So the Parliament, at this time, passed a bill for the army and navy to be controlled by Parliament, not by the king. Ooh. Yeah, that is, now that's that a big is, deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And this, these demands of Parliament really sort of clash with Charles' whole divine right of kings thing that yeah. he was really yeah. into. Um, yeah. You know, that, that had served him well. But in Parliament, this, this move was mm -hmm. passed by 11 votes, Ooh, right? Only by 11 votes, so it's close. So there were royalists in Parliament and Charles felt that he had their support. So although the bill was passed, he felt like it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a complete yeah. um, defeat. So he rides into Parliament yeah. uh, with 400 soldiers to try and arrest five MPs, including the, the Puritan John Pym. Was the most important yes. one. Can I interject there, Angela? John yeah, Pym was the direct ancestor of Francis Pym, who is a minister in Thatcher's government. So Thatcher's minister for, I think he was foreign affairs or I can't remember. Mm. But anyway, he was a direct descendant of this John Pym. So it shows uh. you, it all stays in the family. And the, the reason that um, we have all that palaver at the state opening of parliament of Black Rod banging on the door of the commons is because the monarch isn't allowed into the commons and Black Rod is the queen's representative in mm. at Westminster. Uh, and this all stems from Charles going down there with an army and trying to get into Parliament, where the monarch is no longer allowed in, time, in the yeah. Commons. Because MPs are supposed to be safe from arrest yes. in the chamber. Are you sure? yes. The king can't just walk into the chamber and arrest a load of MPs. Um, now, these, these MPs that he wanted to arrest had actually been warned that he was coming. So they'd fled. They weren't there. So now he's in Parliament with 400 soldiers and it's a bit obvious what he's come to do. He can't really be like, oh, yeah, I just come to just, a, uh, look I, around. I just come to borrow, um, borrow your printer. I just, I yeah, mean, <laughs> exactly. Mine's one out of ink. <laughs> um, so citizens are pissed off now. That well, this, this is, is quite interesting that the citizens sort of take it upon themselves to be offended on behalf of Parliament. Very much so. And they take up arms and they surround Parliament. And this is the riots and whatever that ensue yeah. is the beginning of the first English Civil War. Right. Um, now, a note here, John, that yes. the English Civil War very much wasn't English. It wasn't very, um, it wasn't very civil either, if, I if I'm honest. It wasn't Angela. very civil either, but to call it the English Civil War yeah. was a bit of a misnomer because quite a lot happened in Scotland and Ireland very as well. So, yeah. which, because Charles I was the king of England, Scotland and Ireland. Yes. I think historians now prefer to call it the War of Three Kingdoms. Yeah, so maybe that's what we'll try and remember to call it that. That's not like um, it. Don't like that title, Angela. We'll have to come up with something. We'll you don't like it. it. So, no. Something a bit snappier. Something a bit snappier, yeah, like uh, Cromwell's Wars or something. I don't Cromwell's know. Wars. <laughs> Cromwell's Wars. Or... Cromwell's failures. That's Cromwell's... what we'll call it. Right. Yeah. So um, the Navy declared itself for the parliamentarians. Wow. So they, they yeah. that was a pretty big deal as well. And uh, there were royalist areas. So Oxford, for example, was a very royalist area. Of course it was. Yeah. East Anglia was very parliamentarian. In fact, that's where Oliver Cromwell was a commander in East Anglia. He's an MP he from MP Cambridgeshire, wasn't he? Yeah. For Cambridge. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's weird there because you've got, uh, you know, a lot of the commerce would have been along the rivers. So mm. the River Severn had Gloucester and Worcester in opposite hands. So you couldn't, mm. you couldn't travel up and down those on either side. Oxford was royalist. Reading was parliamentarian. So you couldn't travel up and down the Thames with cargo for either side. So it mm. made, made the whole thing very difficult it was a mess it was a it, mess. Was, a, right it was a bit of a mess because 
there wasn't, you know, a north-south divide or a, mm. it was factions all over the place, yes. which made it very difficult to sort of draw up battle lines, I guess. Yes. And also the the support in different areas would change depending on who's controlling them. Yeah. Because once uh, either the parliamentarians or the royalists controlled an area, that area then gets plundered for resources. Yeah. They raise taxes for capital and the people go, hang on a minute, we were on your side. Yes. We, yes. You know, so allegiances changed and um, it, the, the whole thing. It was also a bit of an excuse for the um, sort of clans in Scotland and in Ireland to dig up old clan rivalries as yes. well. So it wasn't, you know, just a, a series of, of battles between um, Two massive armies. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and these massive armies. There was lots of little skirmishes and battles going on all over the place. Um, just to be clear, what we're talking about, the royalists were obviously, they were the cavaliers. Um, right. called Cavaliers, John, because they rode on horseback, not because they just had a Cavalier attitude. I, Although, might, I thought maybe they drove a Cavalier. <laughs> maybe they boxed on Cavalier. My mum yeah. had one of them. Um, it comes from, so Cavalier actually means on horse, doesn't it? Like Chevalier. Yeah, Cheval, yeah. 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 And the parliamentarians were the roundheads. Why were they, they called had, that? They had roundheads, John, presumably. I suppose so, because everyone else had squareheads. It's quite easy to tell them yeah. apart, the squareheads and the roundheads, I suppose. <laughs> now, I think it's something to do with the haircuts of the um, apprentices in London who supported them. I think they had like... Very, ah, is that right? Yeah. Like basin cuts. Yeah, I think they had something like that. And so the, the, that mob who surrounded Parliament... was it not the helmets? Were there well, helmets you would have thought the helmets makes more sense, but I've got a feeling it's something yeah. to do with the haircuts. Somebody might be able oh. to put us straight on that, but... Uh, uh, yeah, the Cavaliers had big girly locks, didn't they? And feathery hats. Yeah, and the Roundheads were all right. like... Uh, they were sort of foppish looking, the Cavaliers. They were, they were like they? the New Romantics. Very New Romantic. I was just yeah. going to say. So it's that, basically yeah. skinheads yeah. versus New Romantics. You can see who's <laughs> going to win this one, really. <laughs> well, it's Sham 69 versus Boy George. It's no contest. Jimmy Percy is going to kill him. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So these battles are happening all over the place, which yeah. um, we can be thankful for now, John, because without those battles... Uh, we wouldn't have the sealed knot reenactment society uh, 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 reenacting them every weekend, and they'd be on the streets, John. So would, yeah. you know, Re no real L tent. Uh, do you know who the sealed knot were? The sealed knot were a secret royalist association oh, okay. who, um, during the republic, were um, seeking to restore the monarchy secretly, but they were uncovered by the spymaster John Thurlow. Oh, there you go. Very interesting. Thing. So you anyway. have done your research on this. There's you saying you read my book. Yeah. I read some other books as well, John. Before we I got on. I mean, what have you read on this? Well, I've read your book, John, because the other ones were hard. <laughs> yeah, they were like 600 pages, John. I've got shit to do. Um, but, um, yeah. No, I, I did read a book called Providence Lost by Paul Lay, yeah. which is, um, yeah, he's okay. the editor. I think it's History Today magazine or History, Ma one All of right. the history magazines anyway. So are we getting to the bloody end of the Civil War? And but anyway, we're getting there. We're getting there, John. So... Um, in 1644, there's this massive battle at Marston Moor. People have heard of that one, yes. probably. Uh, 4,000 royalist troops died. Over 1,000 uh, were captured and imprisoned. Now, at this point, our mate Cromwell, he's not the leader of the army. No, he's just doing... He yeah. is um, just in East Anglia doing his thing there. Yeah. Um, but he does prove himself to be an excellent soldier, despite not being sort of trained as a... Soldier, he probably ah. played a lot of Call of Duty or something. I don't know. Warhammer, um, you know, he's got his little yeah. model, little figures he's painting and all that. So yeah, I mean, it should be said. You say four thousand royalist troops died at Master Moor. The English, mm -hmm. though, the War of Three Kingdoms, as we shall call it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of the number of dead, it killed a greater number of the British population than the First World War. In terms of just yeah. the carnage, in terms of people dying on both sides, the massacres mm -hmm. of Cromwell uh, and the and the starvations that were sort of followed. 
Uh, it was a massive, massive sort of thing for Britain at the time. Um, so yeah, this wasn't absolutely. just a load of sort of um, foppish blokes on the horses dying. It really oh, affected no, the Oh, no, it was a lot of civilians. Yeah. Um, a lot of civilians. So yeah. um, where are we now? So we've got the... the um, well, basically, Parliament w- wins, isn't it, really? Parliament wins. So Cromwell is heading up his forces in his native East Anglia, uh, this Puritan heartland. He would sing hymns, John, going into battle. That must have been a frightening a, scene, mustn't it? It's I mean, an Christi- army coming towards you. A Christian <laughs> army. I mean, that's a weird concept. <laughs> they were deeply, deeply religious. So it's like, right, uh, if you capture the enemy, you know what to do. Instant forgiveness. Instant yeah. forgiveness. <laughs> also, if they've heard the good news about Jesus and if they'd like to come to a... Uh, Sunday school meeting and, the, and <laughs> alpha meeting. I can imagine meeting. these army coming over the hill singing all things bright and beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> morning has broken. Yeah. We laugh, yeah. but they were uh, zealous and that makes a Ooh. difference. You know, they were they were um, yeah. driven Fundamentalist by, extremists. They were fundamentalist Christians, yeah. It was yeah, like, and in any religion, it's the fundamentalist extremists and the ones that you've got to worry about, right? Yeah, yeah. If I remember right, Charles hands himself over to the Scots, doesn't he? Rather than surrender to the English, he goes, I've got there. Yeah. And, and yeah. So then, well, we've got the Battle of Naseby. Then you've got the New Model Army by this yep. point. Not the band from Bradford. <laughs> the the Parliamentarian Army. It's a lot um, of music theme, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite, yeah. And then, uh, you've got the Battle of Naseby, and that is basically the end of the first English Civil War. Yeah. War of Three Kingdoms, whatever you want to yep, call it. Yeah. Parliamentarians win. They find some secret letters at the Battle of Naseby that say that Charles is willing to yes. suspend anti-Catholic laws in return for help from the Irish Catholics. So he knows right. that he's outnumbered yeah. on in so England it, it, and Scotland. It's those emails. It was the emails. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and his wife, who's Catholic, obviously, and her son have been asking for help from abroad. She's from France, so they've been yeah. secretly sort of trying to build up a, a Catholic support. Yeah. Um, but at this point, Charles then hands himself over to the Scots. Right. Now... What he tries to do while he's with the Scots is to sort of dif- divide his enemies, divide and conquer, yeah. um, which he manages to do at a certain point um, because there is a gap growing between the politicians and parliamentarians and yes. the new model army. Well, the thing is, they keep saying, right, we've won the war, we defeat you, now you've got to agree to yeah. that. I don't agree to it. No, come yeah, on, we right. won, that's not fair, we won this <laughs> Play war. Play fair, King, You've come got to agree to it's a complete rout in, the, in the, all the battles, we're in charge. So you've got to give up these. No, I don't give up these things. And so they say, what, how, what do you do when the king just won't, you know, yeah. is standing in the way of any progress? Yeah. And they tried different settlements. So yeah. like by this point, um, you've got Cromwell has got decisive control of the army. Yeah. Um, he's crushing revolts left, right and centre, defeats the Scots at Preston. There's uprisings in Kent and Essex and yeah. Wales. The country's at war again. This is sort second of... Second Civil War, yeah. Second Civil War. And... Um, the MPs decide to try and negotiate a treaty with the king. It's never going um, to work, Angela. Of Newport. It's not going to work. Especially Newport. I mean, really, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all the MPs, I think we have to remember, not all the MPs are sort of Puritan. No. A lot of them have royalist sympathies and they're concerned about that there's this sort of growing radicalism yes. within the new model army. Yes. And so they're trying to negotiate this settlement whereby the king's restored, but without the powers he had before to do what he pleased. Absolutely. Thomas Fairfax, who was the commander of the new model army, he got wind that the parliament, who were then ruled by these Presbyterian factions, were ready to come to an agreement with the king. And so he orders a purge. Right. And that's where Colonel Thomas Pride... Go- do you remember, John? Yeah. When we... 
got a bit miffed that Charles I had tried to arrest five MPs in Parliament because you can't do that. How many are they going to do? Well, Cromwell's lot, in what became known as Pride's Purge, because it was Colonel Thomas Pride who instigated it, they arrested 40 MPs and evicted another 60. This is what I'm saying, Angela. Cromwell yeah. is worse than the bloody monarchs he displaced. That's my point. He was a bigger yeah. dictator. Um, they took greater powers than the absolute monarch. Mm-hmm. And his statue's outside the bloody House of Commons. But our listeners are gathering as we speak in Parliament Square <laughs> to pull down Cromwell's statue. So... Basically, he's got rid of everyone out of Parliament except for the yes-men that yes. are in this radical faction that yes. everyone was worried about. Um, and he forms what's known as the Rump Parliament. No giggling at the um, back. No, <laughs> come on, John. <laughs> um, so now we've, to all intents and purposes, got a bit of a military dictatorship because we've got yes. Cromwell and the New Model Army has taken over Parliament or uh, uh, certainly ensures Parliament is filled with his Yeah, it should be said here yes that, um, that Cromwell was in power because he was a brilliant military general. He could read a battlefield and he could win a battle, but he was not. You know, Napoleon was a brilliant general and a brilliant sort of politician or and leader and delegator and an appointer of men. Cromwell did not have any of those skills. He was not a man who thought, oh, this person will be good for running the Navy, this person. He basically chose people on how often they prayed in a day. I'm not joking. He filled it, the parliament up with the yeah. godliest people as yeah. he saw them basically so now it would have been um, cliff richard at defense it would have yeah. been mary whitehouse <laughs> as minister imagine? for sport uh, <laughs> it would have been all the people presenting you know all the people presenting stars on sundays would have been the, you know the, the exchequer and in the foreign office yeah alan jones alan jones would have been there he would have been like <laughs> schools minister so while the king's still alive and he's still got sympathizers this is yeah. a problem yeah of Cromwell. So he can see only one way out. Um, that way out is to put Charles I, the king, on trial. Oh, no. So, what's, yeah. What's he up for? He's up for treason, blood and mischief. Oh, oh. I would have let him off the mischief, Angela, if I'm honest. Do you think, it, doesn't <laughs> feel like the, it doesn't feel like mischief should come at the end of that, does it? Yeah. Treason, blood. It's like saying someone was put on trial for genocide and shoplifting. <laughs> like, you have been found guilty of... of <laughs> Of the massacre of Rohada, <laughs> plus you're you're taking the Wi-Fi of the person from the house next door. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe, maybe don't worry so much about that one. Now, some people, John, yes. might say that the court that was amassed um, to to try Charles the First, they might say it wasn't wholly legit. It was a kangaroo I court, mean, Angela. I mean, sure, there wasn't a judge, John, and no defence witnesses. Yeah. were allowed. But, I mean, they just clogged the place up. They anyway. do, they get in the way. Charles obviously refused to recognise the authority of the court. He declined to plead. They always do that. I do not recognise the authority of this court. Everyone, it's like, Ceausescu yeah. did it, didn't he? Ceausescu said the they same thing. They always say the same thing. Yeah. It's like, you, I do not recognise... Stop him getting shot in the head, though, did you? recognise me. I was there this morning. I was the one bringing you tea. Yeah, <laughs> into exactly. <the> cell. <laughs> so, this, so this kangaroo court, wasn't. why wasn't it called a kangaroo court, Angela? Because uh, we hadn't been to Australia yet, John. Very good. Very good. Yes. In fact, the Dutch explorer, uh, Taz, Tasman? Tasman. 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 Tasmania. He would just sailed along the north coast of Australia around this time, but the postcards mm. hadn't come back yet. But right, no, so it was a kangaroo. hadn't seen a kangaroo but, yet. He hadn't seen a kangaroo, but they still were going, it's a kangaroo court. This is a kangaroo yeah. court. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Charles declined to plead, yep. um, despite being asked 43 times. Oh, John. God. That's like a Paxman level. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yes. Did you did you threaten to undermine him? Did you threaten to undermine him? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Charles I, as we know, was sentenced to death by 
and I quote, severing of head from body. That would do it. should do the job. This was actually the first time a monarch had ever been lawfully killed. Now, it's not to say monarchs hadn't been killed before. Um, Ooh, and I I've always think some. of Edward II. You go straight for the most gruesome one, don't Mate, you? Straight for Red Hot Poker up the arse. Right. Straight for that one. Uh, and you've but got a Richard in... III, Richard III, a kingdom from a horse. He was killed at Bosworth yep. Field. Edward V, yep. the prince in the tower. Yep. As played in schools and colleges television by yours truly in 1975. Oh, really? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, uh, but this is the first time a court, well, a sort of quasi-court, I... said, right, yeah. we're, we're having him. Yeah. That's right. So on the 30th of January, 1649, Charles I was put to death. When he was brought out, to, they erected a scaffold outside um, the banqueting hall in Whitehall. Okay. And he wore two vests, John. Right. Um, because it was a cold day and he didn't want to be seen shivering because he thought the crowd might think it was him quivering with fear. Wow. The, you know, the crowd gathers because there's not much going on at that time. No uh, telly, John. No, no Netflix. There's no, there's no Netflix to the telly. So King being executed, yeah. that's quite a, a surprise. Yeah. But they were not in the mood for this particularly, were they? Cromwell no. had not caught the public mood particularly. No. He thought, I think, because of the parliamentarian victories across yes. the country, he felt that he had the will of the people. Oh, that phrase. Yes. Um, but actually, when the king was beheaded, the crowd groaned and they wept. Oh. And he went, oh, and maybe I shouldn't have done that. So what did he um, do? Did he do anything to well, make it Well, usually better? what happened after a beheading yeah. is you get your head whacked on a spike and put at traitor's gate. Yes. Um, but they didn't do that with Charles I. He decided to allow it to be sewn back on. Oh, okay. Which just feels did that a work? little like shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted, get, John. Did it make him better? I mean, I can't be sure, but... Yeah, I mean, surgery was very primitive back then, wasn't it? So it's probably yeah. not going to work. Um, yeah, but they but we've, look, we've sewn it on now. What are you upset about? We put it back. Yeah, come we've, on. We've, it's we've what accept, you wanted. We've accepted our mistake. Stop crying. Jeez. So suddenly, we're, we're not a monarchy anymore. Nope. Britain's now essentially a republic run by an army of hardcore Protestants who are determined, John, to take the fun out of fundamentalism. Oh, I like what you did there. Did you see what I did there? That might be, <laughs> a, oh, it might be a, I might need a break just to recover from that pun. <laughs> we'll take a short break because uh, I'm going to have a quick leaf through the Old Testament and um, you're going to hide your rosaries. <laughs> see you in a minute. Welcome back to part two of We Are History. Angela's job was to do the research for a podcast on Cromwell's rule. We're halfway through. We haven't bloody got there yet, Angela. <laughs> I like to contextualise things. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything, good. does it's it? Good. And also, as we previously said, not much been written about the actual protectorate. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so, so we've, got, we've got there now, though. So that's good. We've We're got now there in now. Six, 1649. The king is dead. Now yes. we have the Commonwealth of England. Is that like with the Commonwealth Games and everything? Exactly, John. That's exactly what it is. Not good enough to win the Olympics. <laughs> but... We should probably at this point say something about Wales. Because it's not that Wales wasn't there. It's just that it wasn't a country. Right. It was like England and Wales had the England, same laws Scotland generally. And I, yeah. 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 Technically, it was the Kingdom of England, Ireland and Scotland, wasn't it? Right. Okay. Because it's a principality but Wales. the king's dead yes. now. So it's not a kingdom. It's now the Commonwealth of England, yes, hey, um, with, with, with sort of Cromwell sort of uh, notionally in charge, or yeah, I mean, it, essentially, it's a military dictatorship at yes. this point. So we'll come on to what happens next in a minute, but at the moment, it's yeah, yeah, it's certainly a military which is led by Cromwell. 
Yes. Is in charge. And is it a, Cromwell, a jolly place? Is it a jolly place? Is it like, you, yeah, you guys do what you want. Let's just have some fun. We've had a horrible old war. Well, Let's have a festival of Brexit. Let's have a- it, wa- it wasn't that fun, John, but it's about to get a lot less fun oh, okay. in a okay. few years. But right. in this period, Cromwell wasn't in England very much because he was busy in other parts of oh, the Oh, here we go. This is my people. Um, oh, this no. is your people. That's a so, terrible, terrible thing. Indeed. As we know... Since Elizabethan times, yes. these plantations were going back to made Elizabeth in Ireland to, to, <laughs> I know, to displace the Catholics, right? Yeah, but yeah. there are several Catholic uprisings all during this period. Like we said, you know, yes. amongst the skirmishes of the Wars of the Three Kingdoms were Catholic uprisings. Yes, 1641, there were well. significant Catholic uprisings, thousands of Protestants killed. And those, those, yeah. um, those uprisings, were well, the... the, the, the atrocities against the Protestants were greatly exaggerated and circulated in England. So they would have, Cromwell would have mm. gone there with a great sense of vengeance anyway. and a sense Absolutely. Of ven- yeah. And also, um, I mean, the, the Catholics were kind of loyal to the king, not re- but yeah. they, they knew that the king had loyalist sympathies, so they were prepared to be more on his side. Yeah. Um, however, what I think we have to remember as well is that to the Puritans, Catholics, it wasn't just that they were um, a different sort of Christian. They yeah. were the actual embodiment of the Antichrist. Absolutely. To Puritans. And they were, to Puritans, subhuman. Yeah. And in the 1930s in um, Europe, yes. when, you know, the rise of Hitler and Mussolini and so on, yeah. um, they were often compared to Cromwell at that time in the 1930s. Right. And people thought it was unfair. But actually... What what was happening with the Catholics was exactly what was happening with the Jews in that by making them somehow not human, yes. this is how people were able to carry out these atrocities because yes. they weren't, you I could, know, if I could quote, that's how they were seen. If I could quote a bit Cromwell here uh, yeah. this time, he's, uh, he's telling the Catholic clergy, your covenant is with death and hell. You are part of the Antichrist whose kingdom the scripture so expressly speaks should be laid in blood, yea, in the blood of the saints. Ere it be long, you must all have blood to drink, even the dregs of the cup of the fury and wrath of God, which will be poured out unto you. So that was... So he's for pretty that, for that sure what he thinks. Yeah, anger management course. You know, <laughs> he, 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 was, he, was, he was... With his therapist, he was letting it all out, I think, there. But yeah. So, so Cromwell obviously threatened by the the catholics yeah um bearing in mind as well you know spain is the great enemy at this point and a great power in europe yeah um and and is catholic similarly france is a catholic superpower at the moment so the catholics represented everything that was anti-english yes to cromwell so so he goes to ireland and commits incredible atrocities that we are not taught about but i know Obviously, Irish people yeah, are very much aware yeah, of. Yeah, the massacres at Drogheda, he didn't just kill the, the mm. soldiers. He went and killed all the women and children. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, it was babies on pitchforks time, really. It was. A, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was the siege of Drogheda was, took place from the 3rd to the 11th of September, uh, 1649. And during that time, they, they, like, women and children taken refuge in churches. The churches were burnt to the ground with the women and children in them. Um, the um, commander of the town's forces was beaten to death with his own wooden leg. Yes. Um, he ordered that all Irish children should be sent to the West Indies to work as slave labourers in sugar plantations. I mean, yes. that's something we're not <laughs> taught for so sure. If you go to Montserrat today, they still have a, a, an Irish stamp on the uh, passport. 
and they still drink Guinness and they still celebrate St. Patrick's Day, even though most people there are black. It's uh, got a strong Irish uh, heritage because Cromwell sent them all over there in, uh, in the 1650s. Yeah. And he, he committed atrocities all over Ireland, mostly in Drogheda and in Wexford. Yes. He did similar things there. Um, he he knew that these children being sent as slave labourers, he knew they'd die. Many of them would die. But yes. in his mind, dead but, children couldn't grow into Catholic adults and have more children. They were agents of Satan in his head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. I mean, so, sent, sent to Barbados sounds quite nice at the moment, but... Take our, take our word for it. It's, it's different not as, in the 17th century. It's not as nice as it sounds. No, no. So it is completely understandable why the Irish not fans yeah, of Oliver Cromwell. Yeah, no, no. Meanwhile, uh, he's, so he's in Ireland doing his Irish conquest Campaigns. campaign. Yep, yep. And in Scotland, they've accepted Charles II, who is the son of Charles I. Yes, oh, yeah, that's a clue. Um, they've a accepted clue. him. Yep. It's, a, it's a slight clue. <laughs> They've accepted him as the king. Yeah. So they've said they've crowned him basically. It said yes. you are now the king. He was crowned. And crowned at begin... scone. Yes. Or is it or scone? scone. <laughs> hey. If we could high five over Zoom, oh, we would. Oh, what? Proud of that. We're one. on fire tonight. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so he begins recruiting an army yes. in Scotland to support his cause. I love the fact that the army was led by someone called David Leslie. I mean, oh, it just I sounds like an accountant, doesn't it? Blue Peter presenter. David Leslie and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have more more battles, don't more we? More battles. So Cromwell comes back and the, here's what's happening in Scotland. So him and the New Model Army, uh, not the Bradford band, <laughs> they head to Scotland and... Despite, obviously, he would have had some losses of his army. The army's so strong and yeah. so massive. And he's such a good general. And such yeah. a good general. He yeah. takes 16,000 men um, and they defeat the Scots in the Battle of Dunbar. Yeah. Uh, Charles II isn't dissuaded at this point. He goes into hiding, I think, in Stirling or somewhere. Right. Um, and then he comes out and he marches to Worcester. Ah, um, so he comes quite far. Yeah. Into, you know, um, and then they have the final Battle of Worcester. Now, Charles II has marched 16,000 men to Worcester, but Cromwell's got 28,000 men. Plus he's a better general. And, he, and he's a better general. And he, of course, defeats the royalists at Worcester. What does Charles do? He's, they must be looking he, for him everywhere. He manages to get away. No, no, no. He, he hides up a tree, Angela. He hides up an oak oh, tree. Oh, I missed a bit. I missed yeah. a bit. He hides up the tree. He You're hides right, up the I royal did. oak. He goes up an oak yes. tree and they're searching for him everywhere. And they go, come on, we give up. Uh, no, it's not, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. So. Come out wherever you are. And then they <laughs> rename all the pubs. And why do they have to give it a silly name like the Royal Oak? It's the slug and lettuce was perfectly fine. And they start <laughs> renaming them the, the Royal Oak. So, yeah, that's where we get all our Royal Oak yeah. pubs from. And, and the myth of that. Well, it's, no, it's true. It's not, it's not a myth. He did hide up a, a, is, a, a yeah. tree, which is a very sort of English symbolic sort of thing, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, so then he and, flees. Uh, then he flees to France. Then he really. flees to France. Yep. And around 8,000 Scottish soldiers are captured and imprisoned and they were then deported to New England, Bermuda, oh, the West blimey. Indies to, to work as indentured labourers. So he's had these massive successes in his campaign. Military he's successes, yeah. sorted out military successes. He's sorted out the Catholics in Ireland. He's sorted out the Royalists in Scotland. And the Puritans very much see this as they believe that they are God's children. Yep. And they believe that... They have divine providence to carry out what that they are doing the work of God, right? That right. their 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 mission is God given. Yeah. And these successes, the fact that they're defeating any sort of dissenters, 
to to their mind means that they're doing the right thing. Yes. Um, they feel like they're the vanguard of the new Jerusalem. They're God's children. They're you know they're, there's not a lot of doubt in their it, minds, was there? There wasn't not they were, a lot of like, doubt. I wonder if I'm doing the right thing here. What do you think? There's not much of that, was there? Yeah. With these zealots? No. no, no. Now during the Wars of the Three Kingdoms, before yeah. Charles the First was beheaded, um, there were several radical factions that were part of the New Model Army that were fighting the tyranny of the king. Yeah. You had the Levellers. Um, and I don't Another mean great band. crusty. Yeah, <laughs> lots of musicians came out this time. Yeah. The Levellers sort of believed in a more fair society. Um, I mean, I say I read one book. It said um, Levellers believed in complete equality, but only for men, obviously. Well, like, let's yes. not go mad. Yes, uh, <laughs> but to their credit, they did. Argue, but to their credit, they did argue for the lowering of the price of beer, which is uh, yes, what they I did. Think, which I think we should all get. We behind. Can all get behind that. Yeah. So, um, but know. of course, John, we had the same problem, didn't we, with these radical factions as the left have in this country today, to this day. Not so you had the levellers and you had the diggers. Yeah, the were diggers. More <laughs> sort of, well, the diggers were sort of the communist. Yeah, they were the, they were the, they were the, the Judean people's front. They were the people's front of Judea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you had these sort of rival radical factions yes. happening. Now, um, the, as, as, the defeats in Ireland and Scotland happened. The levellers and the more radical factions start to distance themselves. Yeah, well, they're not going to get what they want from a landowner like Cromwell. He's, 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 well, this is he's, it. Cromwell was... I think it's easy to think of Cromwell as being a radical when he absolutely wasn't. No. He was a landowner. He acted in the interest of other landowners. Yeah. He wasn't really even anti-monarchy, and we'll come on to that a bit more in a bit, but... Um, I think he chopping his head off is a bit anti-monarchy, Angela. I mean, I'm he, not going to be a pen. Yeah, it could be a pen, but I'd say... <laughs> he, I know, okay, he sewed his head back on again, but it'd still have him down. <laughs> he uh, was, was anti-John, a monarch. Oh, I'll grant okay, you that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Within Parliament, you still had a sort of mix of these slightly more radical factions. You had some royalists still yep. in Parliament, and... The divide between Oliver Cromwell's army and the rest of Parliament was getting bigger. Mm -hmm. And so um, because of this this growing gap, Cromwell, he went into Parliament and he said, you have sat too long for any good you've been doing lately. In the name of God, go. Okay. Can we not do something like that? That would be today? good. Yeah, that would no. be useful. In fact, I think Should... that was that was quoted back at Chamberlain in 1939, wasn't it? In the name of God, go. I think that was revived. One of the Parliament's greatest yeah. hits. But yeah, so uh, did he, what did he so do? He, did, he, did he kick them all out? He kicks out the rump part. The Parliament that was already, already sort of made of yeah. his yes men. Yeah. Um, but he kicks them out. And then he has the barebone Parliament, as it was known, or, or the Assembly of Saints. Bloody hell. Again, yeah. you know, they were quite up themselves. And this Assembly of Saints became a bit of a subject of popular ridicule because it was just... The godliest men. It was the 140 godliest men they're, they're all, he could find. 140 bigots, they were called in one of the books I read. Yeah. 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 Religious bigots. And yeah. their task was to try and devise a constitution that would reflect the gospel values and teach people the responsibilities yes. of freedom and blah, blah, blah. They did write a constitution. It's the only time this country's had a written constitution was the well, one they, they drew didn't. up. The, John but, Lambert did, didn't Okay, he? right. After five months, they surrendered power back to Cromwell because they couldn't come up with a constitution. And his army colleagues asked him to take power as a constitutional monarch at that point. And that's when John Lambert, who was a major general, he wrote the instrument of government, which was the first fully developed paper constitution. So, yes, they have a sort of 
constitutional monarch, right? In a way, and the country's divided into um, military districts, basically, each ruled by an army major general, right. Who answered only to Cromwell, so it's a proper dictatorship. Yes. At this point, with the sort of local administration being dished out to major generals. It's a military dictatorship. With godly governors. With godly governors. So it's these 15 major generals um, and deputy major generals. And they were central not only to national security, but also to the moral crusade that was going on. Now, local justices of the peace in these districts weren't too pleased about this because some of these men, they were army men, a lot of them. So although they were godly, they were seen as being low ball. Oh, no. Um, you know, so some of them were things like there was one guy who was a thimble maker oh. and they say you can't have a thimble maker making decisions. Thimble makers. John, what have they ever done? Can't have that. <laughs> right. What have the thimble makers ever done for yes. us? So it's Cromwell's law across the land is being implemented and enforced by the use of soldiers. Now, following on from the successes of the campaigns in um, Ireland and in Scotland, Cromwell now wants to take on the Spanish, oh, right? Because he's, are, he's pesky are. Catholics. Well, they are the Antichrist. He's them out. They are the Antichrist. So, you know. They are the Antichrist. <laughs> now, the, the Spanish by this point have colonised a lot of yeah. South America, Caribbean islands yeah. around that sort of area. So as part of his campaign, and we haven't got time to go into the like full yeah. military sort of strategy he had, but they tried to take Hispaniola, which I believe is now, is it like part of Haiti? And... Hispaniola is the island of the Dominican Republic and Haiti, yeah. And yeah. Haiti, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but they were defeated. They right. were defeated there because their soldiers weren't prepared, A, for the climate, yeah. for the journey, for lots of... And, the and the soldiers, The voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Spanish... Yeah. that were already there, were already acclimatised yeah, and, yeah. and were able to defeat him. So this whole this world disaster. view that Cromwell yeah. has yeah. of being, um, you know, of God's providence and them doing the work, is suddenly challenged. They've so, gone, well, God's not let us win this one. So, we're, we've been defeated. So, so does he go, maybe I need to do this Puritan thing a bit less then? Well, John, that's what you'd think, isn't it? Maybe I'm not, but no, he really doubles down. Right. Like he doubles down like Pretty Patel. He <laughs> digs his heels in. That's when all the theatres are closed down, sporting oh, no. activities Don't talk are to banned. me about theatres closed down. I'm supposed to have a, Oh, John, I'm, I'm sorry, to have did two I have wound on there, the didn't I? I was, okay, I've got, I was going to have a show in New York. I was going to have a show in London. It's all, it's all closed down for me. It's the plague. It's the plague has closed the theatres. So I do but continue. But we'll have the, the post-COVID restoration yes, comedies, yes. John, okay. and you'll be the be... leading the vanguard. <laughs> at least, at least we've got sporting activities at the moment. We can watch the football. And not exactly. But no, he didn't have that either, did he? No sport. No, no horse riding was definitely because the Cavaliers obviously no. loved a bit of horseback entertainment. No horse riding. And, I mean, um, I suppose they meant for pleasure. No horse riding, like gambling. For pleasure, and gambling yeah. On horses. So no gambling, no drinking, no smoking. No smoking. Sex was sinful. Yeah, no smoking. Sex was sinful if you enjoyed it. Um, which probably wasn't too much of a worry if you were Cromwell's wife or the wife of any Puritan. Actually, we should add that he was um, not a looker, Cromwell, was he? He's had a nose like a potato. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, when his portrait painter sat him down, he said, paint me as I am, warts and all. Warts and all. Yeah, because yes. he had all warts all over his potato-like nose. So Mrs. Cromwell, you're, you're, you're forgiven. You're, lucky lady. Lucky lady, sex. <laughs> she must have loved it when he was off in Ireland yeah. for ages. <laughs> like, oh, a, what a relief. She had a, played a bit of football and did some gambling and smoking. <laughs> So the, well, the, yeah. if you were caught playing football on a Sunday, John, you could be whipped as punishment. God. Now, this is where I'd be in trouble. 
Because swearing was punished by a fine. You'd be bankrupt. I'd be right in the fucking prison. There you go again. So Christmas ban goes right back there, doesn't it? The ban on Christmas, which is what people, I think, mostly think about when they think of yeah. this Cromwell's pr- protectorate, actually goes back further. It goes back to, to the right of the in the middle War. of the Civil War. Yeah. It was still widely practised, um, but you weren't allowed to call it Christmas. It was called Christtide to take away the I Catholic you, Cromwell mass element. just forgot to get his wife a present. And he's like, <laughs> uh, she goes, did you get me something? Oh, it is an ungodly... Antichrist festival of popery and papers. I don't know why he's come from Northern Ireland. I think we've... Yeah. <laughs> he the... definitely didn't. Well, he's... We might Paisley. have been an Ulster Scot. It's because of Ian Paisley. That's what it is. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she's going, oh, well, I've got you a scented candle, you know, and it's like... So he put her in the stop. Yeah, whipped but... her, whipped her and said you can't play football. I mean, it wasn't just that. Yeah, women weren't caught work, doing work on the holy day, could be put in the stocks, couldn't they? Or going yep, for yep. a walk on Sunday. Unless you were going to church. So course, I'd just go the long way, wouldn't you? I'd just go there, put my walking boots and go, I'm going to church. It's just, I'm just going up this lovely hill with this lovely view and then down the other side and then to church. <laughs> How's he not be able well, to go for a walk? That seems a bit over the top, doesn't it? Well, right now it doesn't. No, John, no. no I mean, that's the, all I'm doing. That's my only exercise. Yeah, walking the dog true. every morning. Yeah. But yeah. they weren't allowed to put on makeup, women, were they? No, no. And, and they really wanted to keep the population's mind on religion. So whereas previously with the Anglican Church and before that with the Catholic Church, you would have feast days to celebrate. Right. Uh, for the Puritans, they turned those days into fast days. Oh, great. So in order to keep your mind on the religion instead of the feast, you would on your saints day and so on, you'd have a fast so, instead. You wouldn't fun. eat all day. With a makeup ban, the Puritan leaders and soldiers sort of went round the streets looking for women. And make them scrub yep. off. It's a bit like uh, Afghanistan, isn't it, really? Uh, yeah, the Taliban. Yeah, yeah. colourful dresses. That's what I'm saying, you see. Colourful dresses yeah. banned. So the Puritan lady had to wear a long black dress that covered her almost. It's, it's, this is a handmaid's tale, isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, long white apron. And also the, her hair's bunched the up. The men wore black as well, yeah. of course. And there's a slight irony in that because it was supposed to show a sort of lack of frivolity and, yeah. and sort of humbleness. But actually, to produce black clothes was much more expensive was it? because to produce black as a colour okay. in cl- was really expensive. So actually, their clothes were quite expensive. So they were clothes. quite decadent, in fact, you're saying. They were quite decadent, yeah. yeah. Well, I do think um, there's this, I think the Puritan sort of strain has survived in the Protestant English. My dad would always say to my mum, oh, bloody Puritan English. And like, he was always like, why are we going camping? You know, why, why aren't we just going to the most expensive hotel? Why are we beating ourselves up about all these things and making ourselves try and lose weight and making ourselves try and give up things for Lent? He was always like, let's have fun. You know, let's drink a lot. Let's gamble. And I think that's also not just a Puritan thing. I mean, the hair shirt thing and the, yeah. it's also quite a Catholic thing, isn't I it? So, so, but my of... dad was always very sort of like, drink, Drink, gamble. Your dad just hated the English, John, and was just looking for any reason yeah. to compound that. Let's be okay, honest. Okay. <laughs> but there is this sort of uh, austere thing in sort of some of the English, isn't there? The sort of like, yeah. yeah. No, there is. I mean, Cromwell, and it's also worth saying, much like many leaders, didn't you know, like your Kim Jong Uns and yeah. your other dictators, didn't necessarily practice what he preached, John. Oh no, you know because I'm disappointed. you had, to, I had, had such high opinion of him till now. He was responsible for the morality of the masses. Okay. But his own, you know, he was Cromwell. He was a, he was a child of God, so it's fine. He could drink and smoke and, you know, listen to music. It was one rule for the rich and another one for the poor. Where have we Indeed. seen that before? Uh, apparently, he even had a bit of erotic art in Hampton Court. Oh, that's art, Angela. That's different. That's different. That's, that's art. Like my, right. yeah. 
<laughs> now, this one of the things you read quite a lot about when you read about Oliver Cromwell was seems so insane in light of what we've just been discussing, but that he was a sort of promoter of religious tolerance and liberty of conscience. And unless you're a Catholic. Unless you're a Catholic yeah. or a Quaker. Okay. And I think what that meant is obviously Again, it's hard for us to imagine at a time when Protestantism is is so in the blood of the people. You know, mm-hmm. it's such a into everybody is under that church. You know, there, think, there's a state church under Cromwell, but you weren't required to attend it. You could Catholics included worship privately. Oh, really? Okay. Um, you could, but um, so you didn't have to be a member anymore for this of the state church. For example, to be um, to go to university or to join the professions, which before Cromwell and indeed after Cromwell, you did have to be a member of the state church. I think he just doesn't know what he's on about. I think he's just he's just all over the place. It's almost like Johnny got thrown into a position without really. really, It's there's one thing I read sort of compared it to Brexit a little bit. That the the kind of trial and you know we want the king gone. We want this you know get the king's death done, and then afterwards. A, a bit of sort of well now what right okay you know? and then, and then um, he was very tolerant of the Jews as well wasn't he he was in fact um, I mean the Jews have been banished by Edward the first I think it that's was going back a bit um, going back three hundred and fifty years yeah. from this point and it was Cromwell who welcomed them back um, there's lots of theories as to why he did that some say it's because of his religious tolerance others say it's because and we talked about this in our tulip episode yes we're, we're approaching that golden age Merchants, you know where the Dutch yeah. were yeah, we're, we're sort of nailing it economically. And the Jewish communities in Holland were seen to play a big part in that. And he had seen what was going on in Holland. He'd been to Holland. And um, so it was thought that that's part of the reason that he invited the Jews to resettle in England was because he saw the economic benefits of doing I think, that. I think it's, that's too uh, sensible for a reason for, for a man. <laughs> like, I, I think, A, he liked a bagel. <laughs> Right. Smokes, yes. Yeah, cream, cheese and locks. Lovely. Um, but I actually think, I think what I read was that he was such an old, he was such an Old Testament man that he, uh, he, he sort of empathised with the Jews and Moses and the flight from, mm. uh, from uh, where did they come from again? Israel, that's right. And, Israel, uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, he was sort of, uh, sort of really into the Jewish sort of uh, uh, mm. book of the Bible and uh, he welcomed them back for that reason. That seems more likely yeah. than he was thoughtful about them the, the sort of the economy i don't th- I think he did anything for a sort of economic reasons it's all faith the quakers really suffered during the protectorate george fox who was the kind of instigator of the quaker movement in in england was imprisoned although it was said that cromwell and him did meet several times and actually had quite a good rapport okay but the the idea of quakerism because quakerism is the idea isn't it that you can have a relationship with god without needing a church yeah right okay that was verging on atheism as far as you Puritans were concerned. You don't want to pick a fight with a Quaker, though. Once you, once you get them in the pub car park, they'll, they'll turn the other cheek and forgive you. Oh, God. Um, um, so, basically, he was trying to build this godly commonwealth and rode roughshod over anyone who got in his way. Yes. Um, he would raise taxation without consent, which is what he'd got, you know, they got pissed off with Charles I yes. was doing. Yeah, and he was doing much um, more. He was doing... All the things that uh, Charles did, all the things that Charles I had done that yeah. offended people, Cromwell was doing it more. Because he's, you know, starting to abuse his powers, again, Parliament are worrying about this. They can see that this man, this, this sort of, of religious megalomania in this yeah. man. So what they do at this point 
is they offer him John the throne. Okay. Because by being king, it would actually hand quite a lot of power back to Parliament. Right. So because there's precedent, because they'd had precedent. His, for that. Yeah. Because there's precedent. Yeah. yeah. Cromwell thought about this. Yep. And he sort of undenied about it because, like I said before, he wasn't totally anti-monarchy. He wanted to replace Charles I by even by one of his sons. Right. When after the regicide, at that point, he discussed restoration of the House of Stuarts um, at the beginning of the Protectorate because he wasn't anti-monarchy. He was anti that monarch. Yeah. But he had essentially challenged the divine right of kings. He's overthrown the monarchy. Is it right for him then to establish another one? even though essentially he had, or something worse than a monarchy, a dictatorship. Yes. Um, so he agonised over it for sort of six weeks, attracted by the prospect of stability, but he held out. And uh, in a speech on the 13th of April, 1657, he made it clear that God's providence had spoken against the office of king. He said, I would not seek to set up that which providence hath destroyed and laid in the dust, and I would not build Jericho again. We're not talking about Jericho, the nice middle-class bit of Oxford, are we? No. Where Philip Pullman lives. No, we're not, no. <laughs> I think that's amazing that, um, A, that he took six weeks to decide that wasn't for him. Yeah. I mean, the day that Charles I had been executed, Cromwell had slept in Charles's bed, which mm. I think is always a bit of a clue that he's like, oh, this is comfy. <laughs> this is nice. Mm, I'm, I'm liking this. Um, but so so they must have found him, if he's not going to be king, they must have found him another title. Was it, was it well, he Lord was already... of Sealand? Yeah, that's right, John. <laughs> uh, well, he was already Lord Protector. He'd been made Lord right. Protector with the okay. instrument of government and the constitution in 53, 1653. But in 1657, they sort of ceremonially reinstalled him as Lord Protector. They did it with him sitting on King Edward's chair, which was moved from right. Westminster Abbey. There was a purple ermine-lined robe and a sword uh. of justice and an ermine-lined coronet. But it wasn't a coronation, John. No, not at all. Not at all. Definitely not at all. wasn't. He wasn't king, John. No, no, he wasn't. Just because he had a ermine-lined coronet, we've all got those. Yeah. Who hasn't? Who hasn't got a, a purple-lined robe? Exactly. So at this point, he's he's sort of got the mantle of royalty. His council is made up of yes men. He basically it's made up of his family. It's a bit Trumpian. His right, okay. sort of advisors are all his family. At this point, there were assassination attempts. There were fears for his life. Right. Uh, because people weren't happy. Yeah, yeah. What they hadn't really sorted out, when they made him Lord Protector uh, back in 53, they hadn't really sorted out what would happen when he died. No. Because um, if he'd been king, it would have gone to his son, wouldn't it? It would have gone to his son if he'd been king. Yeah. And that essentially is what happened. Now, he had several children, Oliver Cromwell, but his oldest son was a son called Richard. He also had a yeah. son called Henry, who was younger. Now, Henry was a commander in Ireland. After the conquest, right. he was sort of installed there to keep yeah. an eye on Ireland. And by all accounts, was a much better statesman and, yeah. you know, would have been the worthy person to yeah, take young, over. Yeah, youngest brothers often. Often, often are, John, ones. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because he had an older brother and they sort of wanted to appease those in Parliament who did still have royalist leanings by sort of following right. a pattern of, of royal descent. Wow. So... They inst- after he died. He died, John. Interestingly, he d- died of um, complications with malaria. Right. And there was a cure for malaria, or certainly something that would have helped him. Um, but it was a cure that was developed by Jesuits in oh, no. um, in the Caribbean. And so he refused to take it because Jesuit, the name. because of the name. Uh, it's he, called he, Jesuit he was He was an anti-vaxxer. He was, he was like that's uh, that's Bill Gates. That is. I'm, uh... <laughs> 
They're going to put a little chip in my blood, those Jesuits. It's the same fucking stupid thing as now, isn't it? Yeah. And it killed him. Exactly. And it killed him because he wouldn't. He was so prejudiced against Catholics. He wouldn't have something with Jesuit on the label. They could have yeah. just called it something else. Powder. They could have called it Jesus yeah. powder. Yeah, Jesus been powder then. or just, just cr- anti-malarial powder. Anything. But Th- That's a good name. That's a good name. You've been working on this for a while, Angela. Thanks for joining our campaign team. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good riddance to him, I say. Yep. So Richard Cromwell, his oldest son, was nominated and installed as Lord Protector, but he just wasn't very good at it and didn't really well, care about it. He just didn't want his dad's job, did he? No. Like, you've got to have the family business. Yeah. The running a well, mad Puritan. I want to be an mad actor. Puritan dictator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, want, I want to go to drama school. Yeah. <laughs> He was called Tumble Down Dick, wasn't he? He was known as Tumble Down Dick, which is not a good name. It lasted about a year or so. Not even that. I think it was like September to May or something. Right. And he fell from power pretty swiftly. In the meantime, you had George Monk, who was a commander up in Scotland. Yeah. He'd been sort of watching the situation unfold and kind of waiting to see what might happen next. He essentially, when Richard took over, saw that it wasn't working out, marched south with his army and essentially restored the monarchy. So, given that, uh, you could put a quite a contrarian argument to say that the royalists won the English civil wars mm. because the final outcome was that with a big army, yep. the king was put a king was put back on the throne. Yeah, in sixteen sixty. Charles II. Yeah, so we had the restoration. We had theatres back open. We had all those restoration comedies, which were actually funny, unlike Shakespeare's comedies. <laughs> you have uh, you know dancing, yep. smoking, women wearing makeup. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And people's lives have a bit of joy in them again. Yeah, and then they say, so all that stuff about uh, God condemning us, don't believe any of that stuff, just carry on. What's that? The Great Plague? What's that? <laughs> London burnt down? Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, yeah, that's nothing to do with us. But when so Charles II rode into London, it was on his 30th yep. birthday, and oh. the crowds in the street were so thick, it took the procession seven hours to pass through the city. Well, that's London traffic, um, and well, that's, that's, that's completely normal. <laughs> that's just every day. If you'd been on a bicycle, you would have been all right. <laughs> and the roads were strewn <laughs> with flowers, church bells rang out, and it was... Um, and Charles felt that Providence, that divine right yeah. of things, had brought him back to where he should be. And he be. actually ruled with exactly the same contempt for Parliament as his dad. Yes. But there was a crucial difference. I have sort of read between the lines when I was reading all the books about this. But whereas Charles ignored Parliament, Charles I, mm. and tore up the bills in their faces, mm. which greatly offended them. When parliamentarians marched to the palace to confront Charles II, he said, come down the wine cellar. Come and, come and taste my sherries. I've got these ports from the Iberian Peninsula. I've got these delicious sherries. They all got drunk and forgot about what they were <laughs> what they were mad about. So he, he had exactly the same result, but he was just more charming. Oh, yeah. And so... So that's why, you know, uh, it wasn't until his brother was on the throne that they had to do it all over again and uh, get rid of the Catholics and, yeah. and restore the power of Parliament. But yeah. Charles II just got by by, you know, just sleeping with lots of women yeah. and having lots of fun and um, chasing a moth around his bedroom with his mistress yeah. when, the, when, the, when the Dutch were invading the River well, Medway. Because I think a lot of um, people sort of see this as the path or the interregnum as the path to the constitutional monarchy. But really that... Because there was a big setback in Charles II with that. And I think 
that didn't yeah. really happen until the Glorious uh, Revolution, James, right? Yeah, till James II. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about it that I think is interesting is that the, the, any idea that the British are sort of more civilised than the Germans and that we would never have had the Holocaust or we would never have, um, uh, you know, the massacres of Rwanda, uh, every, every nationality or race is capable of mm. enormous inhumanity and Cromwell's soldiers demonstrated that in Ireland and um, no country is, is above, you know, the, the, the most baseless sort of inhumanity of which we are capable. That's, that's the lesson I take away from this 10-year dictatorship. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that religion is nuts. Yeah, completely <laughs> Sorry, nuts. No offense. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to be so certain of something that it justifies everything else yeah. is the road to Auschwitz, to Drogheda, Mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, all the great sort of massacres of, uh, of history. Absolutely. People put in, making other humans inhuman and believing they're, they're justified in their actions by God. Yeah. So that's my top tip, listeners. <laughs> don't, don't make other people subhumans. Thank Even you, Even on Twitter. Well, that's it then. We found a little trot through the British Republic. Uh, I wonder if, Angela, next week we might have a break from the bloody uh, school curriculums. Yeah. For three weeks, we assisted you with your homeschooling. I hope it's going all right. You're on your own again. Sorry. <laughs> For a bit. We'll see. <laughs> Don't forget to give us a tweet on at WeAreHistoryPod if you want to chat to us. Um, five and stars on Uber. And give us a um, five-star review if you would be so kind. Thank you very much. Yeah, we give you five stars back as a listener. We so do, you've yeah. you've got your rating. You, know, you might not. You, you can't see it, up. but it's definitely there. Yeah. That's it for Thanks today. We'll see you next everyone. week. Cheers. Bye. Bye.